You're listening to El Ninos, the Tornado Hunters Podcast. Grab a cerveza and turn up those speakers. Yawn, <laughs> man! Whoa! Good driving, Ricky. Oh, there's vehicles underneath it. Oh! It's taking up potholes! Welcome to El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast. On this episode, we welcome our special guest, Storm Nerd and Playboy model, April Wilhelmina. Now, you don't hear that combination uh, very often, so this should be an interesting episode. We'll be talking record heat waves, pyrocumulus clouds, California wildfires, and even lightning. A few weeks ago, we spoke with extreme athlete Brett Tippy about taking chances and stepping out of your comfort zone. And tonight, with April, we're going to be talking about some of those same themes uh, again. But first, let's meet the Ninos. I want to first go to Nick the Body. Nick has been chasing storms for almost 15 years. Nick the Body, we will get to a discussion on weather in a moment, but I want to ask you first off, have you ever read any of the articles in Playboy? Yeah, I I definitely have, but it's been a while. I remember, of course, as every young man does when they saw their first Playboy, I remember that quite vividly. <laughs> Um, but as far as the articles go, I couldn't tell you the last time I dove into a, an article in a Playboy or any magazine for that matter. We were talking earlier with Garrett and the magazine industry, at least in print, has really kind of tapered off with the advent of the Internet. Uh, yeah, Internet. I've heard about it. <laughs> Let's meet uh, Cubby. Cubby has been chasing storms for 20 years and he's seen it all from EF5s to twin tornadoes and he's even been inside one of the few people on earth who's been inside multiple tornadoes and lived to tell the tale cubby when you were in high school you were a swimmer a competitive swimmer so that means you've spent a lot of time in a speedo um have you ever done any modeling uh, you know what back in uh 2003 uh-huh I did a little photo spread for Maxim Magazine. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. But yeah, no. Really? I was You're a... kidding. That's a shock. <laughs> I was an all-state, all-conference swimmer back in the day, uh, back when I was in shape. But uh, those days are long gone. I'm overweight, out of shape, 40, 42 years old. That's just <laughs> what it is nowadays. Three kids. This is how it works, right? Boy, that there. happened quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. That really, really it's happened quick. Downhill, super fast. So we are missing, uh, we're missing Ricky Forbes tonight. He wasn't able to make it on. So uh, I'm Greg. Uh, they call me Greggles. And like the rest of these guys, I'm obsessed with the weather, photography, and sharing stories from the world of storm chasing. So I want to thank Everybody who's tuning in from around planet Earth, we've got uh, people uh, this evening from as far away as New Zealand and Australia, uh, throughout Europe. We've even got South America tuning in, so that's pretty exciting. A reminder that we can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, and you can visit TornadoHunter.com 
to get past episodes of El Nino's and to find all of our social links. There's even some cool Tornado Hunter content at the link tornadohunter.com. Also, a quick reminder that if you like the show, please hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast app. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. El Nino's is part of the Stormfront Freaks podcast network. And when you subscribe to Stormfront Freaks, you also get El Nino. So you get Stormfront Freaks one week, El Nino's uh, on the alternating week. And both shows are a ton of fun. And we have currently almost 140 episodes in the library. So you're sure to find some sort of content weather-wise that you'll find and enjoy. Including, Nick, we had, from The Bachelor, Chris Bukowski was on. We had pro athlete Amanda Ruler. We've had uh, uh, Brett Tippy. Uh, comedians Kelly Taylor and Alex Zerby, and we've even had uh, country music legend Paul Brandt on a, as a guest. So let's get started this week with a topic that I'm sure all of our storm and weather nerd friends, and I guarantee all of our patrons like Garrett Beverly are interested to talk this week about the big story, which is the heat wave, the fires, and pyrocumulus clouds. So let's start, Nick, with you. Where do you want to where do you want to go first on these topics? Well, um, I was hoping that you might do your job and kind of guide that, but I guess yeah, I'm fine with taking that over. Now I was gonna talk uh first about maybe the heat. Maybe we should go there. Yeah, let's uh, do that. Can we, sh- can we share this uh the map there, uh Cubby? Can you do that? Okay, so um first of all, um, you know, I've got the supercell composite up here for this weekend because some people in eastern Saskatchewan are looking for rain. Uh not bloody likely, but maybe Western Saskatchewan on Sunday could see a storm or two. But uh, here's what we're really after this week is this uh, temperature reading and really not just this week, but, you know, beginning sort of mid uh, to late week this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but really into next week, like Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, Winnipeg is likely going to break their all time heat record next week. Um, We're looking at temperatures uh, around that sort of evening time, they're going to be climbing in like Saskatoon at 102 here. We're going to be at 99, 95. On the centigrade scale, you know, we're looking at 35 to 37 degrees, but could get much higher as those. Look at those. Idaho and Montana there as well. Like, oh my yeah, God. They're crazy down there. I don't know. Uh, like this again is just another huge ridge of high pressure that's kind of stuck and is going to be stuck here. Um, I looked, I looked two weeks ahead and it looks like with the exception of now, um, you know, maybe one day over the next two weeks where, yeah, so this is the 23rd where it's going to get only to 28 or 29 degrees Celsius in Regina, Saskatoon. We're looking at highs between 30 and 40 degrees, maybe over 40 degrees um, for a couple of days late next week and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And this heat isn't going anywhere. And the other thing is, is that with that wildfire smoke that's now coming down from the north, there's 100 forest fires that are burning up in this area of Saskatchewan right now, as well as, of course, several in BC. You know, one of two things is going to happen there. Either that will inhibit some of the daytime heating if the smoke gets super thick. But if that smoke tends to hang out just sort of in the upper regions of the atmosphere then it actually acts as a as a 
like a Tupperware lid on a container that's kind of in the microwave. And uh, so then we could, it could actually get a little bit hotter than, uh, than what the forecast is. So we're awaiting the results of that smoke, but it's going to be hot on the prairies. For so let's, a long let's time. actually let Nick, let's actually talk about the uh, last time we were on here all together was right before the heat wave that hit Washington, Oregon, uh, parts of Idaho, and of course, British, British Columbia up in Canada. And prior to two weeks ago, the hottest temperature ever recorded in Canada was 44.3 degrees Celsius. And Lytton, British Columbia, among about a dozen other communities in British Columbia uh, two weeks ago, hit a staggering 49.6 degrees Celsius. That is insane. insane. That is Death Valley type temperatures. And you talk about throwing a pie of pudding in somebody's face. Imagine the town of Lytton, British Columbia. They set on a Wednesday, the record 49.6 degrees Celsius. That's that's uh, uh, almost 130 degrees Fahrenheit. And then the following day, the entire town burned to the ground. Crazy. Oh, yeah, Crazy. not only did they smash it that day, I mean, they smashed the record two days before that. So they hit 46.6 on the Monday, I think it was, and then Tuesday, 47.9, and then on Wednesday, 49.6. And then of course that, uh, later that week they had that fire roll through and it destroyed 90% of the, the town. But the big story is the normal temperatures for this time of year are nowhere near 40 no. degrees in that part of British Columbia or anywhere like, right. Like Vancouver, for instance, the, the, the communities that were smashing records, smashing them on average by six degrees. So, you know, Vancouver at 31, 32 degrees um, uh, a week or two ago there. I mean, the normal temperature in Vancouver this time of year is about 23. They're eight degrees over and they're six degrees over their all time record. And that was the story across the mainland where temperatures are usually about 24 degrees this time of year. Central interior British Columbia is around 28, 29. You know, the hottest temperature ever in uh uh, Agassiz, I'm probably slaughtering the pronunciation, but I think it's Agassiz, uh, British Columbia, A-G-A-S-S-I-Z. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. The hottest temperature there ever was recorded in 1895 at 33 degrees. Well, they've been ahead of that a couple of times now, and they got to 41. So they smashed their all-time record by by eight degrees. Yeah, let's not forget about Washington. Like, Washington... The number as as bad as the numbers were in British Columbia, they were equally as bad in Washington. Uh, and there were uh, and and I haven't got obviously confirmation. I don't have a, a link to give you or anything, but reports are upwards of two thousand people that perished that that literally were killed by this heat wave. And when you think in terms of tornadoes and hurricanes and and uh you know numbers of fatalities nothing nothing I'm comes close. close yeah nothing comes close to heat i mean cold weather in canada and exposure deaths um can get up there but um but we're we're also overtaken now 
uh, in Canada by these uh, these heat deaths. And I mean, f- you know, there were four or five hundred alone in British Columbia, right? These sudden deaths due to heat. And so you think about the concentration of population that Washington has um, as well and how many more people are down there, you know, and the aging population as well, because typically the people who succumb to heat stroke and heat death tend to be either very elderly or very, very young. Um, and you got to know the signs of that. Like we're not used to that, that sustained period of heat. So like I said, the next two weeks, we're looking at temperatures of between 30 to 40 every single day. Regina on average gets 16 plus 30 or better days a year. Um, we hit that mark yesterday. So, I mean, we're likely to triple that this year, I, I would say, because the next 14 days, I bet you 12 out of those 14 are going to be over 30 degrees. Um, we typically on average have five plus 30 or better days in July. We're at six already on the 11th or 12th of July. Um, one of the, so Nick, Nick, one, one of the uh, stories that I think got lost in the whole British Columbia, Washington heat dome story was the fact that north of the 60th parallel up in the Northwest Territories of Canada, Mm-hmm. They Fort also, Smith. yeah, Fort Smith, Northwest Territories hit 39.8, I believe, degrees wow. Celsius. So almost almost 100, like 120 or something Fahrenheit. And this is this is in a northern climate where, uh, frankly, you know, they get some warm days, but like 22, 23 would be right. considered whoa, that's a great day. And they were hitting almost 40 degrees, 120 Fahrenheit. So it's it's been an incredible summer. Uh, let's move on to the fires. And uh, uh, let's talk about what's happening in California at the moment, which is tragic. It's um, scary as hell. Some of the, or Cubby, have you seen the, the, the pictures of the fires in, in uh, California this week? I have. Yeah, it's insane. <clears throat> so like the uh, there's over 31 million people in Western U.S. right now that are under like a heat warning uh, warning there. So like, it's it's insane. Like fires are just popping up like we thought last year was bad. The fires out in Western uh, U.S., but it's going crazy. It's there going are three crazy three times as much land has burned this year than last year. I know a lot of people say that that's, that's natural. You know, it's a natural thing just to have that happen, but it's way too much right now. Yeah, it does. It definitely has that. It definitely has that feel of <clears throat> this year already being something special. And I don't mean special in a good way. I mean special is in unique and 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 different from prior years. Um, Nick, one of the things that I have been just fascinated with on satellite imagery and and by the way if you don't have a good app on your phone for satellite imagery i highly recommend checking out sat squatch so that's s-a-t squatch uh and sat squatch as an app is this great you you can you can pick up uh satellite imagery um and you can zoom right in and you can uh get very very detailed interesting images and one of the things i've been obsessed with is these pyrocumulus clouds where the this you know a, a forest fire starts and it it gets such extreme heat and such extreme energy which draws in acting like low pressure it draws in 
uh, that that wind and that moisture from any moisture that's available from around the storm. And, and it literally creates its own cumulus cloud with lightning and all of the things that go along with a cumulus cloud. But when you watch these pyrocumulus on a uh, on a loop on satellite, it's it's absolutely remarkable. I've got a little diagram as to how this happens exactly. And, uh, you know, much like um, run of the mill cloud, what happens is we've got uh, rising moisture here. Um, but here it's the air that rising because of the heat of the fire and that rising air condenses the moisture and those cloud levels can get pretty high. I had the pleasure of seeing one of these form on my way back from British Columbia. I think it was in 2017 in the uh, Rocky Mountains, actually. There was a fire that had formed on the BC-Alberta uh, border. And uh, up in the mountains there, there was uh, a pyrocumulus cloud that uh, developed and uh, actually saw some lightning from it as well. But yeah, they create their own weather. Um, you have lightning bolts, which don't help the situation at all because typically right. you don't get a lot of moisture from these clouds. So more lightning means more propensity of fire starting at the ground level again. Um, and any precipitation that you do get tends to be pretty scant um, in these clouds. So, all right, uh, this is not my video. This is actually a video um, that happened in, uh, in Texas. And uh, you can see that this, um, this is a, actually a wildfire that's happening at the ground level in grass. And typically when we see the pyrocumulus, the elevation is, is, a, is a factor. Um, I've only ever seen a pyrocumulus in the mountains. I've never seen one formed here, but look at this thing. Yeah, this cloud is looks like it's shooting up into that 30, maybe 40,000 foot range. And it's also extending itself, you know, a few miles uh, across the road and, and into the uh, next field over. And so uh, this is uh, bad news for people at ground level because that lightning is going to kick up um, what obviously is always a very dry area. Uh, in Texas, to begin so, with, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, Adam's a, Adam's a great storm chaser too. He's a yeah, yeah, he, he's a good one. Yeah, Adam Lucio. Yeah, so this is uh, this is probably not that common an event, especially in Texas, from a you know a grass fire. Um, you know, we tend to see them a little more often in higher elevation areas in, uh, like I said, in BC. But uh, this is the real deal. Like this looks like the wall cloud that we saw on uh, Sunday. Yeah, there, no kidding. Um, um, yeah, the, if if you guys go on uh, on satellite imagery right now in southeast Oregon, there is a great well, I guess not great, maybe the wrong choice of words, but there's an incredible pyrocumulus cloud uh, that uh, developed today, and it showed up really well on the satellite imagery. So it's something to check out as well. But uh, yeah, unbelievable. So if you want to see this video, I mean, there's some lightning now coming out of that cloud, which I mean, this this is my experience with the pyrocumulus is that it's these very quick strikes that happen. But this is Adam Lucio's video. Uh, large wow. wildfire kicks off severe uh, thunderstorm, incredibly rare event. And uh, they actually end up getting some hail and rain out of this cloud, too, which is unbelievable. So there you go. Well, and you made the you made the comment and the point earlier about the lightning is that <laughs> You know, you got a you got a pyrocumulus cloud, which is from a big wildfire that's kicking down lightning, creating new wildfires. <laughs> it's not a good situation. So no, it's a bad situation. It's the opposite of good. Now, that's Nick, do you have crazy you have shot your, right there? Yeah, do you have your oh, video, yeah. Nick? 
I don't. I thought I had posted it up, but uh, I I don't. I guess I didn't. I could probably go hunting for it while we're chatting. Um, yeah, no, here, it's but, right. Uh, just, I definitely have a picture I could post of it. Sure, if you got if you got that. Well, okay, just um, give me thirty seconds on that one. So we actually have a, a great question from Kat Boynton. Uh, Chris, if you can pull that one up, she says, uh, "I have a question. Does the application of seeding clouds affect how you go about storm hunting?" And uh, Chris, do you have you ever even thought about the the cloud seeding when it comes to uh, chasing? <laughs> no, I don't think that exists. To be honest, it does exist. They, they I mean, fly it does planes. exist, but does it really work though? That's like, the thing. Uh, That's the thing. It's debatable on on whether it works or not. Uh, I can say that uh, whenever I've chased and and the place that I think does the most uh, kind of cloud seeding would be that uh, front range. Or, or foothills range of uh, Alberta, where they tend to do a lot of cloud seeding, and uh, the idea is is that to prevent hail from getting so big that it does a lot of damage, if they seed the clouds so that the hail um, uh, falls when it's much smaller, then there's uh, less financial impact and insurance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, does it work? I don't know. They still get a ton of big hail out, out there in the foothills. So I don't really know if it's, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, one thing, Nick, and, and, you know, Cubby, maybe we should be uh, thinking about getting one of the guys who flies one of those cloud seeding planes. We should get one of those guys on as a guest uh, and ask that question because I've always been a skeptic, but maybe there's some science that I don't understand, you don't understand, and maybe... No, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. They just say that for the public. I think it's that would be like trying to book Bigfoot on the show. I think to find <laughs> one of the pilots. Yeah, let's just call up Sasquatch. Yeah, it's like we it's like we seeded it, but two hours later, your windshield's gone after like six baseballs hit it. Right? Do they do cloud seeding in Virginia as well, Garrett? Not that I know of. Mostly hunting no. for pot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, out in the, out in them yeah. there hills, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Checking the nooks and crannies from the mountains there. So Gary, let me ask you this: You ever walked upon like when you're out shooting and like the the mountains or the hills there? Have you ever walked upon a moonshine? The steel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Usually, you you know to leave well enough alone most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, uh, there's usually trail cams and things like that out there, you know, around it. So, uh guys are pretty crafty if, if they want to come back on you bad enough they'll find you <laughs> oh yeah crazy so. stuff man i started watching oh, yeah. that moonshot on discovery it was insane yeah but it, it's like everything else on discovery there you know parts of it are, are scripted to an extent for the drama side of it because you have to know it's like if you're going to put a moonshine show on tv about something that's illegal how are the cops not going to do anything about yeah, it? Yeah, that's I've never understood that about that show. Well, it shows it shows like after like three, four, or five months after the fact, right? right. So maybe they'll move right. there still at that point. Yeah, yeah, keep relocating. All right, what do we got here, Nick? That's my shot of the uh pyrocumulus cloud out in uh BC Alberta border there. I was on the Trans Canada Highway. Coming back toward Calgary when uh, this guy um, sparked up, actually. We watched the genesis of the fire, 
and uh, also the uh, formation of that uh, cloud. So I was able to snap a few pictures of this uh, cloud that uh, began to form. And I, I know I have video of the whole formation of the cloud somewhere. I'll, I'll pull it and then maybe that'll be something I'll put on the uh, Patreon site for folks. You know, the it's interesting that photo, uh, Chris, if you can go back to it for a second, is that uh, other than the color, you know, in that mid mid uh, altitude area that obviously has the color of the, the fire and the smoke, um, other than the color, I mean, it really does look exactly like the early stages of a, of a supercell forming. Yeah, yeah. And that cloud didn't get much, much bigger than that. It kind of pittered out after that. But um you know, some of these things you can see that get the anvil and the whole structure and everything going. Um, uh, even the ones that come off of the like um, volcanic uh, eruptions, the right. ash. Pyroclastic, um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, pyroclastic clouds, yeah, yeah. That Those are crazy and terrifying because they're filled with glass. well i'll tell you i think i think every weather photographer on earth has that volcanic eruption lightning strike photo in the at the very top of their bucket list uh i just wish we had active volcanoes uh closer maybe maybe i don't wish for that Great comment from Curtis. I love that all four of you are trying not to laugh at the word cloud seeding. (laughs) Cubby, I think it's time we get to our guest. Who do we got with us tonight? We have the famous April Wilhelmina. This Playboy cover model is just your standard golden-haired, pizza-and-beer-loving farm girl from the prairies. Having grown up in southern Saskatchewan, she has seen her fair share of storms. These days, she is living her best life as a sleeping beauty in the woods on Vancouver Island. You can find this Viking at the beach, latest art gallery shows, traveling for photo shoots, or exploring nature with her new puppy, Lady. April, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> We're doing great, April. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, so April, we, we've, we've been looking forward to this because uh, we've had lots of conversations online uh, with Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You are a storm. I hope you don't mind me calling you this. You are a total storm nerd. I definitely am. <laughs> yeah. So where does that come from? Tell us a little bit about your background. Why are you such a storm nerd? Um, well, I grew up in southern Saskatchewan. So as you guys are know very well, the old adage where you can see your dog running for days is quite true. It's incredibly flat. But what that does offer is an incredible great opportunity to always see what weather is going to be coming. Um, So on the farm, it's kind of a a really important piece to be able to gauge what type of weather is going to be hitting your fields, hitting your livestock in certain types of climates. You know, you can lose cattle, lose animals due to hail. Um, And we had a tornado take our one of our barns um, before I was born, but uh, I've seen my fair share of tornadoes, and I always just thought it was incredible. And 
my favorite part would be in the summers when you'd have these really, really hot days and we'd be working out in the fields and that. And then late at night, you could always see where the supercells were developing and you would know about how many hours you had before the big thunderstorms hit. So it, it got, you had to get really good at driving a tractor because they're not fast as you know. <laughs> so it, if, you, if you're like, you know, a hundred kilometers from home base and you're in a tractor and you see the supercell coming in and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I got I to get back to the back to the yard. Otherwise, I'm going to be kind of stuck out here because as you guys know, it can go from like zero to, uh, you know, mud wrestling weather <laughs> pretty quick and tractors don't particularly like mud. So, April, it sounds like you're really good at tracking a storm. So, we could really use you in our team, to be honest. It's like we're <laughs> just hit, we're hit, we're hitting the dumps right now. But, uh, really? so from yeah, being you a need small some female representation, by the looks <laughs> yeah, of it. amen to that. <laughs> so, being a small town girl, like moving out west, like what was that like for you? Like, uh, you know, you grew up on the farm, you grew up small town, like moving to like a big city. Is that like a shock or did you enjoy it? Did you love it? Embrace it? Like, what was your thing? Yeah, over to the big city. Um, it, I love it. There's no winter here. And uh, I haven't had to shovel anything in about <laughs> seven years. <laughs> so it's great. I feel like I feel like um, BC is this little paradise and people try not to kind of tell anyone about it, especially Vancouver Island, um, where I my backyard is the woods and I have a river running through my backyard, my own private beach. And then right across from me are waterfalls, waterfalls. They do not exist in Saskatchewan, at least on Southern Saskatchewan. I know the upper interior has quite a bit, but where I grew up is flat and bone dry. So it's nice. And this is maybe a little silly, but I like, uh, it's way easier to garden here. Uh, roses actually grow here. They don't, grow in the prairies that well um among other fun extracurricular plants so <laughs> it's it's a great uh, province um and it was a little bit of a culture shock but i i just kind of like isolate myself to the woods when i'm feeling a bit overwhelmed so april you got your education uh degree at the u of r correct that's right yeah i have two bachelor's degrees Right. So I wanted to, uh, Cubby, if you can share my screen, I wanted to show you this picture, April. I photographed this shot uh, of the University of Regina campus on Sunday night, like literally two nights ago. And wow. uh, so I thought, wow, that's kind of epic timing, considering you were coming on the show. Tell us about that time and education. And uh, did you go into teaching at all after getting your degree? I did. So um, everyone always kind of jokes about this, like, oh, if you were my teacher, uh, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> uh, so I actually started out in medicine, um, did two years of pre-med, which is basically just a whole bunch of science classes. It's not that prestigious in any way. And then I realized I didn't really want to be in school for another 10 years, nor did I want to pay for another 10 years of school. Uh, so I transferred into um, high school education. Uh, so I have an English education degree and a fine art degree. Um, and I taught high school English for about 
two years cumulatively um, and mostly grades nine and 12 advanced placement. And then I moved here and got a job at a corporate law firm and worked there up until right before COVID hit. So I haven't updated my LinkedIn yet. I think it still says I work there. I do not. <laughs> um, and worked there long enough, did the nine to five thing as long as I needed to, to be able to get all the things you need a nine to five to get, you know, a house, mortgage, car loans, all of that fun stuff. And then I um, had my house actually destroyed in a windstorm. It was a plow wind out here on Vancouver Island. Uh, I had a hundred foot hemlock was uprooted by the plow wind. I think it was 170 click per hour. Whoa, winds. holy Lord. Um, and it sliced my house in half. What? So, were you where were you yeah, at the time? I was in Montreal at the time for a shoot. Oh, okay. And I, I just started modeling at the time. Um, and I was also working for the law firm at the same time. But if I was home, I would have been dead. Uh, but the wow. island was completely devastated. I don't know if you guys, it was back December 2018. I don't know if you guys remember it at all. Oh, my cat wants to come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was, it was horrific. Like the, the, it looked like a hurricane, like aftermath. Um, so when uh, when that happened, I started getting a little bit more serious into modeling because I had been avoiding leveraging my appearance for anything for a very long time, perhaps out of like some sort of intellectual ego. And then I was kind of realizing <laughs> that, that that was stupid <laughs> and uh, started working for Playboy while working for the law firm to, to be able to pay for my house rebuild and uh, ended up being quite successful in the modeling that I didn't have to work for the firm anymore. So back that up one second there, April. Uh, so you worked with the government, you worked with the law firm. I'm actually a Canadian or an American citizen, but I'm trying to get my permanent residency now in Canada. Can you fast Chris, track she that? Cannot, she cannot help you with this. <laughs> Can you fast track that for me? That's so, such uh, a ridiculous question. Yeah, so I wish. Um, my billable, I don't know what your affordability index is. For your billable. <laughs> his is April, his affordability index is really low. No, it's, actually, I have, I have all my paperwork I can, I can in. Yeah. So I'm just kind of waiting um, for them to get back to me. It's a, it's a long, arduous process. I can tell you, I do have a girlfriend who just finished her citizenship test. And you do need to know who Wayne Gretzky is, apparently. <laughs> Wayne who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instant fail. <laughs> April, you know, when, uh, you know when you're uh, arrested by the police and uh, they say, if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you? That's the realm that uh, Chris Chittick is in right now. Copy that. <laughs> but I can certainly point you in the right direction. We had some incredible immigration lawyers. Um, That's awesome. Hey, you, I was ever just get, you ever get back the, uh, to you ever get back to Saskatchewan at all, April? Not as much as I'd like to. So I, there's a lot of things I really loved about Saskatchewan, and a lot of things I kind of didn't really like as well. Uh, it was a really wonderful place to grow up. It taught me a lot of 
always leaving things better off than you came to them at, whether that you're a guest or in any interactions with people. However, one thing I didn't really subscribe to is like, while it's at the tip of Tornado Alley, it's also at the tip of the Bible Belt too. And I kind of didn't really agree with some of the ideological framework that informed on relational patterns within families or in relationships there. There's always a little bit of a black sheep. And I'll never be the type of person to tell them that how they how they see life or what their current discourse is, is is wrong. I would never be like that. However, the converse wasn't always for me, you know, like uh, I'm sure not a lot of my relatives in that really get, understand or uh, approve of my life right now and what I'm doing. However, um, nobody lives your life but you. So it's a very long answer to your short question of, I would like to go there more, but I don't have anyone I would visit when I go there. Nick, you were going to ask something. uh... Well, I was just going to say, I was looking up that windstorm and and apparently that was the most destructive windstorm uh, recorded in BC uh, power, BC Hydro's history. They lost like uh, um, hundreds of thousands of customers um, that day for 24 hours during that storm. And I, I, I'd never, I don't think I remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that. hearing about it either. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's uh, you know, just to sort of, you know, get onto what April's saying here. Like it's interesting um, because that's not an uncommon theme for people who leave the province um, to say, you know, that uh, some of the social conservatism say, um, isn't, wasn't really for them. Um, it's interesting, um, because I find like, you know, I think what you're alluding to is that, um, there's a morality question, particularly around the career that you've chosen for yourself now. And I've always thought, you know, I've got, uh, I've got relatives who worked in the oil patch, um, you know, doing those hard labor jobs and, you know, I've always thought, well, I mean, those guys are selling their bodies. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so that sort of morality clouding, you know, your your view of what valuable work is or, or what satisfying work is or, or whatever is has always been an interesting thing uh, to me. So you talk about your relatives who, you know, probably don't approve of what it is that you're, you know, the career that you've chosen now, despite the fact that you've got two degrees and worked for this national law firm for, you know, seven years and decided to venture out onto something else. I mean, what else can you ask for, really? So um you know being able to get away from that i'm sure was a bit of a relief for you for you as well it it certainly was yeah not not to get too too much into it but um you can you can still love people but know that they're not healthy for you in in your life so it's it's okay to love people from a distance um and with respect to the morality piece like i don't have any shame around anything i do and you know i think you hit the nail on the head when you said we all sell parts of ourselves and all of our occupations whether that's your brain or you know manual labor in some respect but anytime an element of like capitalizing on physical appearance if uh, if a woman is doing it of her own volition, her own agency, if for some reason it's like seen as less acceptable, and that just kind of is because of an old antiquated framework of Christianity, kind of treating women as chattel or objects. And while society is moving beyond that, they, it still is it's still a little bit there. And uh, 
you know, it's not to say that everyone in Saskatchewan is that way. I don't want to paint a broad brush. I love the people there. They're good, hardworking people, incredibly polite and kind. But I'm also the type of person who doesn't judge others based on their sexual preferences, their sexual choices, or, or what they do for work. Right on. Uh, April, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to be showing you some videos and we're going to be uh, uh, getting your response to some of these interesting weather videos that Nick's got queued up. Um, but we'll be right back with more from April uh, right after this message from CameraEasy.ca. El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast, is brought to you by CameraEasy.ca. Anyone can take great photos. I know because I've taught thousands of people how to use their fancy digital cameras. I make it simple and easy to understand so that even a pure beginner can get the most out of their camera. So if you want better pictures starting today, check out CameraEasy.ca. Now it's time for the CameraEasy.ca 30 seconds to better photos. Here's my tip of the week. Get out of your comfort zone. You know, everybody uh, shoots pictures and lots of great pictures when it's a beautiful sunny day and you're at the lake and there's lots of fun things to shoot. Everybody gets great photos. But the real mark of a, a great photographer is getting out of your comfort zone. Shoot in the rain, shoot in the snow. Um, when it's dark out, change the settings on the camera, shoot in the dark, uh, do things and shoot in places and at times when other people put the camera away. You'll find that you get interesting photos and photos that people really care about seeing. So that's my tip of the week. Welcome back to El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast. This evening, we've got our very special guest, April Wilhelmina, is joining us from Vancouver Island. And uh, April, you just finished telling us a story about having your home destroyed in a windstorm. That's kind of like our dream come true. Like we want to like live through something like that. Uh, so you've had that experience do you kind of consider yourself like if we were a team of storm chasers, you would be the Helen Hunt here, right? Oh my gosh. You're speaking my dream. Like I wish I, I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. I wanted to be just like them. And it kind of like prompted me to always be searching for storms in Saskatchewan all the time, um, much to like my sister or my mother's chagrin. <laughs> right. On. And, and so um, do you have a favorite quote? Everyone has a favorite quote from Twister. Do you have a favorite quote? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just saying my favorite scene was um, when when they were at the drive in like slicing through the door and as he's slicing through the door the like tornado is like also like smack like like ripping apart the screen and i thought it was like such a very mise on a beam like play within a play like yeah, <laughs> yeah. like effect. Right. like it's a very it's a very literary effect to have like 
like a, a creative piece within a creative piece that is a like perfect creative pairing for like the tone. I don't know. So I don't want to get too nerdy on it, but it, it was, it was, that was my favorite iconic scene. And it was also, so I'm, and please don't hate me for saying this. One scene that I should not be laughing at and I laugh every time I watch it is again, when they're at the drive-in, they're all in the hangar and that older guy, like the like the like rim is spinning and it like hits his head. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it, he gets hit with a hubcap know. right in the face. <laughs> yeah. He was focused on getting that hose. I don't, I don't know why I'm such a horrible person, but I'm such a sucker for slapstick. And for some reason, every time, like his face after. <laughs> <laughs> Hey April, right. I got to tell you a fun story about that uh, about that uh, drive-in theater scene in Twister. Is that yeah. um, after that movie came out and uh, people saw it, uh, an urban legend developed that uh, literally throughout Tornado Alley, when we're chasing in the springtime, whether we're in Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, doesn't matter where we are, uh, when we meet people from small towns all over the place, we hear the same story over and over. And the story is people say, you know what? When that movie came out, our town had a, a drive-in theater and Twister was playing and we got hit by a tornado. And we when hear that Twister's same story. Yeah. Right, right. So we've heard that same story from from like everyone across. Doesn't uh, yeah, everywhere. And uh, obviously, clearly an urban legend, but everyone really believes their town uh, drive-in theater was was hit by a tornado while the movie was playing. So uh, it was just, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, so uh, m most important question about Twister before we move on. Uh, if you're Helen Hunt, of the three of us right here right now, Who's Bill Paxton? Who's playing Bill Paxton if you're Helen Hunt? I mean, can't you all be Bill Paxton? Oh, that is such a lame. <laughs> no, no, it's that is that such a lame answer. Who, uh, which one? <laughs> I think the more important question is which one of us is Jonas and gets hit with a gigantic piece of debris? <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the better question. <laughs> I think I'm more Jonas than I am. Hunt. <laughs> 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 I just can't get can't get this right here. So yeah. Um, Perfect. <laughs> right on, Nick. You got um, some videos. Yeah, you got some videos, Nick. Let's see what we got. Yeah. So this is uh, related to the conversation around the uh, wildfires more than anything else. But this is actually a video. Um, that was shot in Northern California, and this was in 2018, um, of a, uh, this is actually aerial footage of a um, fire tornado developing. So this is the type of uh, phenomenon that you can uh, end up seeing, um, you know, if you're, uh, if, if the fire gets hot enough uh, and those winds start spinning, uh, you know, that hot air starts spinning up at uh, ground level there, you end up with these uh, fire NATOs. And this is a fire truck dash cam footage of that gigantic fire NATO uh, down in the valley there. Holy Where is that again? 
This is in Northern California. Car fire. C-A-R-R. -R, fire tornado aerial footage from car fire. So imagine coming around the corner in your uh, in your truck, and uh, oh my this god, is, this is what you get to see here. Look at that spinning too, like that's insane. Yeah. So that's off a of fire truck dash cam, or yeah, I cam, whatever. Oh so. yeah, yeah, fire truck dash cam. So that's, is it, that's Nick. Is that one of the current fires? No, this was in 2018 oh, actually. Okay. Car fire in Shasta County, California. So that's a fire a fire guys? engine dash cam. This was the aerial view of it, but that fire truck that was down there on the road there got, you know, it doesn't look so impressive in terms of motion here uh, from the air. I mean, it's obviously impressive, but man, from the fire truck, I mean, that looks like a gigantic wedge tornadoes on the ground, uh, you know, 300 yards ahead of you. Well, and what you yeah, can see from that aerial shot, Nick, is you can actually see the same uh, dynamics that happen in a tornado in particular at the surface, that inflow wind, mm -hmm. um, you know, substitute the fire there for moisture off the surface. And that is the exact same dynamics that are happening uh, within a tornado. Very cool. And you can see the core here is just pure flame, right? So, I mean, that is, you know, in addition to the wind that would happen to be coming off the tornado, it's also terrifyingly hot, yeah. I'm sure. I, I don't so know. April, you guys, you guys got to have some fires to your east. Have you seen any of the flames or smoke? Or uh, I think you were out east a little bit uh, last couple of days. Did you see anything out there? Mm -hmm. It was really, really smoky um, and really dry. I wouldn't be surprised if there are fire nados up there. Um, are they really called fire nados? Yeah, the elusive fire nado for me. I know, the whole thing is just like really post-apocalyptic, and like I feel like a good like background for metal band music video um <laughs> they, they did shut down two of the highways uh coming back so it, that's what made my trip longer as well um because of the uh, forest fires so right i know they can be pretty devastating up here but bc also has like a lot of forest land that isn't you know especially in the interior it's not really inhabited um so there might be a lot that happened that people don't really catch on camera. Right. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of that is, you know, a lot of that is natural. It's going to happen every year. There's a certain amount of a fire that's going to happen though. The problem is in BC in particular, and actually Washington state's very similar is that you've got these uh, heavily populated valleys that uh, you know, in particular in the Okanagan uh, and well, what happened in, in Lytton uh, as well, but the uh, these heavily populated valleys i mean there's nowhere for the fire to go except for to hit houses and that sort of thing and so that's what we're seeing with uh california right now as well yeah so i've got another uh another uh video here now this one is a little more um uh, close to the phenomenon that uh, april described happening out on the island there so this is um what some people refer to as a derecho or a dare echo or a plow wind, or straight line winds, or a bow echo. A whole bunch of names for basically the same phenomena, but it's straight line winds. So I want you to just take note of this surveillance camera and to look this one up on YouTube, Cedar Rapids Duration Live Camera, August 10th, 2020. So this is less than a year ago. Um, this was that big system that uh, affected the um, yeah, upper Midwest. So this is surveillance cam footage from somebody's house. I mean, house. it looks so calm right there. So calm. And then, uh, and this is a half hour video. So if you want to watch the full, uh, the full deal, then, uh, then, uh, you know, be my guest, but 
we're just going to skip ahead to the uh, four minute mark here where we start to see that there is some debris accumulating here, likely from somewhere else. Uh, and then the storm kind of starts to hit and we start to see the front part of this, uh, these straight line winds just sort of effortlessly, you know, taking down small branches here. You know, we've got some leaves flying around in the air. Um, it's obviously raining, but uh, things are about to intensify um, fairly quickly here over the next several minutes in the video. But you can see that it's now taking down Whoa. full branches of Whoa. trees and now Whoa. large full branches of trees. And uh, eventually we're going to get to a point where this guy's got um, what appears to be full trees now on the ground in his yard. Um, and then the climax of the video for me is really when this evergreen finally that's been withstanding everything Whoa. comes down uh, and um, talk about tree damage. April said she lost 60% of her trees. Whoa. Um, this, yeah, this person is losing 100% of theirs. Um, so you think you'd be able to stand out in front of that thing there, Nick? No. I think if I were in Even the like middle a, like of the like Saskatchewan. a 45-degree angle? You don't think? No, I, I think... mean, if, if there was no debris, fine. But if you were standing outside there, I mean, one of those branches hits you, you're dead. If you stood like this and leaned into it, I think you'd be okay. I think that's how that works. Right. Show you me have to make yourself. Next. You have to show me again. Right. So like this, like <laughs> at, a, at an angle like this. Do you have and to have you your need... arms out like that too? Can you, can you turn yeah, sideways yeah. so we can see the angle? <laughs> right. So it's like this. Okay. okay. You got to lean into it. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, looks good. And oh uh, I think God. you'd probably want to, in that situation, <laughs> remove your clothes so that you're not, you know, getting snagged by the wind that way. You want to make yourself as aerodynamic as possible. This is when I pull out my um, argon oil hairspray and uh, get things <laughs> greased down. Um, safety first, folks. Uh, we were just saying, while you were off camera, we were just saying that... Uh, uh, we're going to get you, uh, we all, we ask every one of our guests the same question. Would you come storm chasing with us? Yes, of course. That's right on. Right okay. So <laughs> would you so actually have me? Or are you just like leading me on now? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, we ask literally everybody, uh, whether they want to come storm chasing and if the opportunity ever comes up, um, you know, we would, we would be happy to do that. So uh, we'll keep in touch. And uh, if it ever works out, that I think that'd be a ton of fun. You can live your Helen Hunt dream. Oh, my God. Yes, please. April, what's your yeah. schedule like in the summertime? So like, can you set your own schedule? Is it is it open or is it are you pretty hectic or what's your story? Summers are pretty hectic, um, as you can tell by today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's my busiest seat, like work time. Uh, yeah. But... I, I can kind of set my own schedule, but like the there's a really high demand um, for like mm -hmm. models and that or right now, especially since COVID just lifted. So all the photographers and now all of the shoots that have been like waiting to shoot to bring in the international models again are like, yeah, okay, now we have, we have to go ahead to go. So it's just a little bit overwhelming at the moment. Um, but I all this to say, I can take time off if I want to. Yeah, we'll have to get you out there for like a seven or eight day chase down the states. Oh my so god! Just, but just one one little caution, one little thing I gotta say though about that is, um, I don't know if you know what a Ford F one fifty smells like after seven <laughs> days with four dudes in a truck. But before you get too excited about going storm chasing, I just want you to imagine that scenario. 
Uh, so it, we talked about how I grew up on a farm, right? <laughs> yeah, right. True. 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 <laughs> yeah, that is so my, my favorite smell in uh -oh. the whole world <laughs> is actually um, the smell of like an old, old grain truck where it's like dirt, oil, rust, and like man bio all mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like if they wrap that up into a cologne, I would be obsessed with whoever. <laughs> okay, well that's dark. <laughs> Speaking the truth, um, there's just something about like that smell of like dirt and oil mixed together. I think it's really nice. I know that smell you talk about with the old vehicles, though. Like there really mm -hmm. is a very yeah. very specific specific smell. Yeah, I do like the smell of gas. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, like just on its own. Yeah, <laughs> every chance he gets when we're on the road, he's out there huffing those pumps. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> I mean, you got to pay for gas somehow. So if you have like some of these, <laughs> he's always forgetting his keys after that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Where the hell's Cubby at? Oh, he's over there sniffing gas again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Mandy Mandy Eggman says uh, storm chasing with just one guy smells enough. <laughs> that's, that's that's probably true. Standard questions for you here is uh, what is your favorite sports team? I would probably have a hit on me if I didn't say the Rough Riders. That's good. Who is your favorite band or artist? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, can I be lame and like name someone classical? Like I, I play the piano and started playing the harp, um, and I'm really in love with uh, Tchaikovsky. That was my pick. Pick as well was Tchaikovsky. Yeah, the, that's my pick yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, I have all of his albums. <laughs> it's a she. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so April, if you're going to the electric chair and you had one meal left. What would be your go-to meal? Anything beige colored. So uh, <laughs> beige food is my favorite kind of food. So like just think of anything, but any food that's the color beige and like any like kind of like, I would just say, I want a, the beigest meal you can give me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And final and last question is, if we were all stranded on a mountain, no way out, who would you eat first if you had to eat a human being out of the out of the four of us? Who would I eat first? Yeah, yeah. if you had to, like survival. I feel like there'd be a way around eating one of you. Like, isn't like veganism a thing now? Like, can I survive off of like? No, you have to. Eat, you have to eat one of you us. You gotta pick Nick, Gregles, or, or me. Okay, well, who, whoever's the biggest, who's the tallest and biggest? Cubby. Gregles. Well, those are two different <laughs> two different things. We've got the biggest and we've got the tallest. But I think that if we're if we're erring on the side of plenty plentifulness, it's it's cubby. I'm I'm all about like the bigger bang for your buck, right? And like right, right. great. Uh, most people just shout out cubby. Uh, it just so, shouted out because that you know intellectually oh. he'd contribute nothing to the survival of the, <laughs> of the pack. So it's best to get rid of him quickly. Actually, That's I was a, the wait. reason. I was a survival expert back in uh, 2006 to 2009. I taught a class actually, Nick. Uh, so I want to wow. back that statement back a little wait. bit. 
what's, I'll walk what's it the back certification for becoming a yeah. survival expert? Yeah, it's me. Mount, mountain survival, actually. And is it like so. a schooling pro like what program is it? Yeah, copy that. It was uh North American <laughs> uh standard <laughs> mountain survival uh based out of the Rockies. Right. Would you agree uh, with my assessment then based on your qualifications? Yeah, yeah. I mean I would probably eat myself too, but I would probably <laughs> choose Greg to be my number one guy, but I like in this scenario, I'd probably be the last one. (laughs) 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 All right. I think that's where we're going to cut this conversation off. April, thanks for, thanks for joining us. That was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm glad we got the, uh, the technical issues worked out and uh, listen, I hope your house doesn't get destroyed in another windstorm. But it was really great having you on, and uh, we'll keep in touch and get you out storm chasing maybe in 2022. That would be wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Bye. Yeah, okay, thank take you, care, April. April. Yeah, take care. All right. Well, thank you very much to April Wilhelmina for joining us. Uh, very, very interesting conversation about her journey from the plains out to Vancouver and uh, changing careers. If you would like to follow April's journey, you can uh, check out all of her contact information in the episode nine show notes. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep in touch. And you never know, Chris. Maybe we'll get a chance to have April out uh, as a as a chaser with us on our, uh, part of our team and get her to live her Helen Hunt dream. Yeah. So like when I was talking with her yesterday, she comes out here every summer during uh, harvest time. Uh, so we could totally get her out chasing, I think. Um, also, a quick reminder that if you'd like uh, if you'd like to follow us, uh, check out tornado tornadohunter.com where you can find past episodes of El Ninos as well of all as well as all of our uh, social links. Uh, and if you like the show, please hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, check out past episodes of Stormfront Freaks and El Ninos, the Tornado Hunters podcast, by subscribing at Stormfront Freaks podcast. And there are close to 140 episodes already in the can for you to listen to. Um, for April Wilhelmina, for Cubby, for Nick the Body, for Ricky, who's not here this evening. I'm Greg Johnson, and thank you so much for listening to El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Paul Brandt, and you're listening to the El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters Podcast. Oh, it's not a century! It's taking a pothole!